Direct snap, Brooks fakes the pitch, bounces it outside. He's to the 30, he's to the 25, he's to the 20, he's gonna go! Kennedy Brooks, he just won! He just won the game! Kennedy Brooks just won OU Texas! A 33-yard touchdown run by Kennedy Brooks! One year July 28, 7-28 on your calendars. It was 28-7 Texas late in the first quarter, 2021. OU Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And, well, spoiler alert, OU erased that 28-7 deficit, came back to win the football game. And as we established last hour, I think most of us were on the same page. Greatest football game I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Travis was there as well. However, last year was... Um, it was the worst football game, Travis, that I've seen with my own two eyes. The 49, uh, 49-0 loss from best to worst in one just one year. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's just a, a, a blip on the radar. I hope, Tyler, you and I one day are are drinking uh, some delicious bourbon on a uh, patio somewhere when we're both in Man. our 60s or something, and we're looking back going, <laughs> do you remember that game, how wild it was? Can you believe we went on to win the next 20 national championships? <laughs> Seems crazy, right? I, ho- I hope that's our future. Uh, hey, the next 20 national championships would be amazing, but how about year 21 when they didn't win it? Would the coach be on the hot seat? Oh, oh, absolutely. It, it, I, I bet you a fine bomb would still be going, and he'd say, yep, you know, is Brent Venable's legacy in question? He's only won <laughs> 20 in a row. I don't know. No, I, uh, we would win 20 in a row, and Texas fans would still be saying 49-0 in oh, our, yeah. in our oh, X yeah. replies. I know. Well, I, look, I, I'm down to sip bourbon in our 60s and laugh about what happened last year. I'd also be down to sip bourbon – um, coming up in a couple of months in Dallas after OU wins that football game because that is going to be um, it's going to be a really nice feeling. You, you bounce back and you win your first five, then you beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl and you start off six and zero and you avenge that loss from last year. As we've discussed many times this off season, that's the first time for a lot of fans where they're going to say, "I right, yeah, okay, we're we're back. We're uh, we're a good football team this year." We're going to get back to winning the conference. You start off 6-0. and That Saturday night after the uh, OU Texas game is, I often say, Travis, it's the best meal of the year. Not Thanksgiving, not Christmas, not your birthday. If you beat Texas, the Saturday night dinner in Dallas, though it may probably be mostly at a chain, a lot of chains down in Dallas, um, it's still the best meal of the year for me, and it will be the best meal of the year if you beat those guys down there in Dallas this year. Yeah, my, my meal might be bourbon. If we uh, beat them down there uh, this <laughs> Amen. year, so <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. And and Tyler, you know, you talk about fans not being convinced, right? Uh, you know, because the non-conference without Georgia in it, really, you know, not nothing too exciting. I think SMU is going to be actually pretty good this year, but nothing too exciting, obviously. And then the first two games of the conference slate. Uh, nothing really exciting there. Some teams that are expected to kind of be in the bottom half of the Big 12. So, uh, Sark's, 
Yeah, you know, go, go ahead, finish that thought. Sorry. So, so, so you say fans won't believe it. What about from a national perspective, Tyler? When, do you think? Because we remember last year after Nebraska, old Colin Coward had us as the number two team in the country. Do you think that even national people in a hot take society, do you think they'll even say, "Hey, we got to wait. They ain't playing nobody." Do you think they'll do that, or do you think the national people will be quicker to believe than even our local fans will? So it depends on what happens with Texas, but let's just go with the let's just go with the thought that they lose to Alabama and they win the rest of the games going into Dallas, right? I mean, that's I guess mm-hmm. probably what's most likely to happen um, in our quick quick to come to a conclusion society, hot take society, I think is what you called it. Yeah, people will come around and say, okay, yeah, OU's the best team in the conference. Uh, They are now ahead of Texas. Here's what the narrative will be, Travis, and it may be right, but the narrative will be, well, OU is more SEC-ready than Texas is, and this game in Dallas just showed it. The way that OU played, the way they dominate the trenches and ran the ball better, like OU is more SEC-ready than Texas is right now. I bet that's the big takeaway. Well, the last decade has shown us that we are, but, you know, we got yeah. Missouri fans well, out here saying that their program is better than ours. Just you know that that six and seven year man, it it, it hurt a bit of the uh, a, a bit of the ammunition when it came to the social media world. Uh, Sarks Vodka says, "What y'all eat food? Oh, what? Wait, y'all eat food that night? Sometimes, <laughs> like Travis said, sometimes uh, bourbon or alcohol of choice is the uh, is the meal that night. But there is something about having a nice steak." After you beat Texas on Saturday night, I, I say if there's any food it, tradition yeah. for me, it would be it would be steak after you you beat those guys on Saturday. Yeah, That's yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I like the Fogo de Chao on Friday. That's always good. But yeah, the the Saturday having more beef after you just beat them always good. Always good. Nine one eight football season can't get here quick enough. Just so oh, you can wipe the bad taste out of everyone else's mouth. Agree. Just 36 more days. 36 more days. Brent from Jinx, he almost quit the text line because he said it was good while it lasted, but I'm officially retiring from the text line after about 100 unread. Brent, I referenced your text just two days ago, the one before the one I'm about to read. Brent from Jinx says 2023 wide receiver leaders. Here's what he has in order. He's got Farouk 1, Nick Anderson 2, Stogner 3, Gibson, four. Drake Stoops, five. Now, he's got it listed all the way down to 12, but I'll just keep it to the top five there. Brent says Farouk, one. Nick Anderson, two. Stogkowski, three. Gibson, four. And then Drake Stoops at five. How do you feel about that? No uh, no Gavin Freeman. Where's Gavin Freeman? Gavin Freeman's not even in the top 12. Wow. Yeah, we'll, we'll just, you know, Gavin Freeman's going to be in the top 12. I can say that with certainty. Uh, all you have to do is ask any coach, any question about the team, and they're quick to bring up Gavin Freeman. So, um, let's see. I, you know, I like it. Obviously, I'm a big, you know, Nick Anderson guy. I do think I would love to have him on that side opposite Farouk split out. I think Stogner is going to have a big year. Honestly, I think this list looks pretty good. Uh, I might move Stoops up a bit. Uh, maybe, maybe flip him with Gibson. I, I do think LV Bunkley Shelton. Is going to get some love. I don't think Andrew Anthony is down at 11, but Sawchuck making it above uh, Anthony and Hester is interesting. But, but no, I, I like the Nick Anderson love. That's what I'm going to take most from this and the Stogner love because I think Stogner is going to have a big year over the middle. 
let me bring up a question about Jaleel Farouk for you in, in, in the text line as well. Okay, so I asked this exact same question at KREF Sports yesterday on Twitter, and the majority of the responses were from Jaleel Farouk. Brent from Jinx puts Jaleel Farouk as the leading wide receiver. I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, yeah, maybe it's right that he's listed as the as the favorite right now. I, I guess he has the best resume out of anyone coming back. But does it concern you at all, and if so, how much, that Jaleel Farouk was listed as the favorite going into spring ball, Travis? And, yeah, he still is today, but even for someone that is probably giving, you're getting the best opportunity to be number one, it doesn't feel like he truly separated himself throughout the spring. Like, does that concern you at all that we are essentially the same place as we were in January with the wide receivers and Farouk didn't seemingly make that jump in the spring? Well, uh, there's two ways you can look at this, right? Like, either either it's kind of like USC coming back to Oklahoma in the recruiting rankings right now. They're 13, I think we're 15. Like, did did Farouk just not progress at all, and that's who we're getting is the same guy that we saw last year, which is fine, but it's not what you really want. Or is it he progressed, but the rest of the pack progressed with him? So the separation between Farouk and maybe the next guy up is still the same, but they're but they've all elevated. Like you know the the the. Uh, the water raised all the ships up together. So I think those are the two perspectives that you would kind of have to look at because I just simply, I mean, Emmett Jones is one heck of a recruiter. There's no way that he just can't coach wide receivers. And, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he can't just he quite the salesman and then once you get there be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to coach. Uh, I just know how to recruit. I don't think it's a situation like that. So what do you think is more likely, Tyler? Do you think it's more likely that everybody – really stepped up or do you think it's just we're gonna we're gonna get basically what we got last year oh i I don't think that they're gonna get what they got last year i just man i and i think that for the entire team we talk about the missed layups all the time i just don't think that they're gonna miss as many layups as they did i don't think the wide receivers are gonna have as many just wide open drop balls as last year i don't think the quarterback's gonna miss as many layups as he did last year at least I don't think that's going to be the case I think a true number one is going to emerge I think that true number one is going to be your main deep threat and I think that true deep threat is probably going to be Andrew Anthony so on July 28th 38 six days before kickoff six days before training camp my guess is that Andrew Anthony is wide receiver number one but I just I just don't know if we're going to have a separation between wide receiver one and everyone else like we've had years in 2016 with D.D. Westbrook or 2015 with Sterling Shepard. Like, I think it'll be clear who the top target is, but I do think you're going to have a two, three, and four that are pretty solid and, you know, you can count on those guys as well. I, I, I think they're going to spread the wealth quite a bit this year. Yeah, and I, and I think they're going to – I think they're going to have two very clear targets on third down, obviously – the numbers show that Dylan Gabriel really struggled on those money downs last year. But, man, I think Drake was open often, and Dylan missed him. But I think Drake's going to continue to get open on those third, fourth down money downs. And I think Stogner, man, when, when you need something, you can throw it up and he can just post up a linebacker or some poor safety that has to come down and cover him. Just post him up and throw it up to those big Mickey Mouse gloves. I think you're going to see – 
extended drives, which I think is going to make them more comfortable with throwing the deep ball because they can, okay, fresh off first down, okay, we're going to send Andrew. Something like that where you just get more opportunities for that. At some times last year it felt like all we had was like, you know, a go route or a curls, like all we had in the arsenal. So I think with sustained drives and having that middle of the field, uh, you know, a bit more productive this year, I think you'll have more opportunities for a guy like Andrew. John from Tulsa, I swear we sleep so hard on Farouk, dude's going to do everything for us. Maybe, I again, I, I think the majority of the people think that Farouk's going to be the leading wide receiver, um, but are we still sleeping on him? I mean, potentially, because it's I mean, just the a best, guess right now. The best thing about Farouk is he's so hard to tackle. So, I mean, with him, that's why you saw them last year get the ball in his hands so much, whether it was in the backfield, whether it was quickly – you know, running rub routes or pick plays. I guess the defense calls them picks. Offense calls them rubs. And, like, that that's my concern, Tyler, is, you know, can he just get separation? Can he just line up, line up and beat you one-on-one no matter what? You know, when, when you see them trying to give him the ball in all these kind of unique ways, is it because they don't trust him to do that? Has he gotten better at that? But uh, all I do know is get the ball into his hands because – God, it takes two or three guys to bring him down. Yeah. Uh, okay, a few more texts before we hit a break. Sarks Vodka says, love these thoughts, but, fellas, it's going to be known in November that Jaquase Petaway is the best wide receiver on this team. Might not yeah. have the best stats, but come OU Texas is where he steps in because we need him. We will see the beginning of his tenure, and it will continue to grow all season. Booma. Hey, I, I love me some Jaquase Petaway, so I – I'm all in on that theory, and, you know, from what we've been hearing since he got there, and I know he got there late, well, he got there on time, which in 2023 is late, you know, in a lot of people's eyes. But, yeah, I mean, at the wide receiver position, Tyler, you can afford to be late, you know, and and you can pick it up quickly because these kids are on seven on seven when they're like, I think they go home from the hospital, they clean up the baby a little bit, all this. And then they just put them on a seven and seventeen, like they they get so many reps, so so many reps. That's why you see all these, you know, wide receivers in the NFL that are just ready to go immediately because they've had so many reps. So I think Pedway is going to be ready to contribute immediately. Uh, Aloha from Hawaii says someone the nine one eight. Aloha, oh. thank you uh, for listening in from Maui via the KREF app. That's that's awesome. 918, I think Stagna and Drake Stoops will lead in receptions, but Gavin Freeman will lead in receiving yards. That's from Mr. Anderson in Tulsa. Well, we had a situation last year. Uh, Marvin Mims led the team in catches and receiving yards, but Braden Willis led the team in touchdown receptions. So is there a scenario where – you know, not one player leads and catches yards and touchdowns. Yeah, I think that could absolutely be the case. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be mad if Stogner leads the team in touchdown catches because that would signify to me that he's been a beast in the red zone. Right, but I, but I think it's a situation where you're more likely to almost have Stogner as the red zone target. Yeah, you can rack up his, his touchdowns and a guy like Farouk kind of being a possession guy, right? Uh, I, I could see that happening, but it's a good point, right? Like we, we can't get wrapped up in the, oh, the best receiver's got to have 
the best yards per reception, the most yards, the most catches, the most touchdowns, the most this, that, and the other. Like, no, that you have different tools for different reasons. But I do think Gavin Freeman is is a good candidate for like the the yards per touch leader because it feels yeah. like when like I feel like he was up there last year. Someone else from Playa del Carmen tuning in, been listening all week from the beach. You guys are awesome. Thanks for not rubbing it in by sending us photos from the beach all week long. I actually do appreciate it. Thank you for listening, but not rubbing it in and bragging. <laughs> Thank you very much. So Playa del Carmen in Hawaii listening on this uh, Friday afternoon. That's awesome. Uh, you guys got a lot of takes at wide receiver, and I think it is the biggest question mark going into uh, training camp coming up in six days. So here's what we're going to do. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll, we'll get to more of your text. But we also got to get into some crouton because the party at the Palace mm-hmm. is going on right now. There's more crystal balls and future casts and all that going up for OU, the Williams-Winary and David Stone drama. We, we could do a three-hour show just alone on recruiting today. Uh, we'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We are the Homeless Suter fans. It's a Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Connor Pasby alongside as well. Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. I'm at the Riverwind Casino where Josh Turner, yeah, he's going to be here tonight. Show starts at 8, doors open at 7. Some tickets are still available. Purchase online or here at Riverwind at the box office. Uh, Travis, I'm sitting in front of uh, Chips and Ales, the uh, restaurant here at Riverwind. Chips and Ales. Would you like to take a guess as to what <laughs> what a former KREF employee called it uh, during their grand opening eight, nine years ago? I'd like to take a guess. Chips and Ale is the name. If you were to mess up that name, what do you think uh, you would accidentally say? Um, is it something I can say on air? Yeah, yeah. It's an establishment, if that helps as a hint. An I establishment, don't know, establishment, at least I think in Las Vegas. I've never, uh, I've never attended this uh, this venue. Chippendales. Well, it's a play on Chippendales. Chippendales is what a former KREF employee called it uh, <laughs> in the grand opening, like ten years ago. Oh, oh yeah, no. yeah. Chips at, and wait, ales. At, wait, at the grand opening they called it that. I think it was, was the first time that we were out here, and I think it was oh, maybe God. the first day they were open. Oh yeah. God. We've come former. a long way. We've come former, long, indeed. We've come a long way. Or at least I think, unless until I mess it up before I get out of here at six p.m. Yeah, you, but yep, you, you pressure. <laughs> yeah, you put it on yourself, man. You, you, hey, you know what? When you go out there, you can't lose to Tyler McComas. You can't let Tyler McComas beat you out there. I might. That's the key. I might. I got an hour and a half. I'm probably going to mess it up at some point. Chips and ales here at the Riverwind Casino. Uh, okay, it's been. Um, it's been a week of panic, I would say, during Locked In with the Williams-Winary situation. Apparently, he didn't make it to Norman this week for an unofficial because he was grounded by his parents. The, uh, he is at Oregon this weekend. There's a chance he makes it to Missouri on Monday, and when I mean chance, I mean just that. There is there is only a chance that he makes it to Columbia. I guess how do you currently feel with decision date coming up on August 7th how about OU's chances with Williams Winery, the five star? I, I still feel good, actually. I mean, this is 
We've been dealing with this the entire recruitment. Oklahoma has always been the consistent one, right, the common denominator, if you will. It was Tennessee at first, and then it was Georgia, now it's Missouri. And really, Missouri, outside of NIL, which OU is very competitive for williams Winery. and if it were just to come down to NIL, I truly feel that OU would just match it. Like, I think they would just be fine with that. Um, the only thing they can argue is closer to home because – I mean, we wouldn't be able to fit everything in this segment, Tyler, of the advantages that the University of Oklahoma has over Missouri. And, I mean, has Eli Drinkwitz won more than six games yet? Nope. Has he, has he had a winning record yet? Um, did they lose their – if they lost their bowl game last year, which I'm sure they did, that was a six and seven year. No, I, I don't think he's finished with the winning record yet. Yeah, they aren't keeping him around. Mm. And I don't care if he's, they've got williams Winery committed at the time. They're still not keeping him around. And then he's, I mean, there's only one spot he's going after that. All that being said, I still think that he commits to Oklahoma. Now, if he makes that visit on Monday to Missouri, I still think that he commits to Oklahoma, but I'm just not going to sleep as well the night before. Yeah, okay, there's a chance that he picks Missouri on August 7th, right? I, we, we, you and I both agree. There, there is absolutely a chance that he picks Missouri on August 7th. But, but I'll frame it this way. Whether you win or you lose, and I guess if you lose, the point doesn't really matter. But, Travis, for the number one overall player in a class, for a five-star defensive lineman, could you have hoped for a better scenario than your biggest challenger to be Missouri two weeks before signing or two weeks before decision day? Exactly. we'll, We'll see if they win out or not, okay? And like I just said, there is a chance that he picks Missouri. But I will take my chances over Missouri than I would Georgia, than I would Tennessee, or even Oregon, who probably doesn't have a chance. He is there this weekend, so we'll see what happens. But which like, is you're going up against Missouri here seemingly down the stretch, so it's not a bad place to be. Yeah, which is weird because everybody has worked up about the Oregon visit, and we're not even worried about them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's, it sounds so funny because everybody's like, oh, if he takes an Oregon visit, all bets are off, all bets are off. Well, we're sitting here talking about Eli Drinkwitz. Which is funny, but no, I do I do agree with you. I think the temperature would be much different today and definitely earlier on locked in if it was between us and Georgia. We'd be yeah, sitting I'd be, there boom. I'd, yeah, be a lot, I'd be nervous. I'd be a lot more nervous if it was right. like if, if there was a rumor and like you said, if he goes to Columbia on Monday, then yeah, you're you're naturally more nervous. But if there was a rumor that he might go to Athens on Monday, then it's a little bit of a different story. So I, I don't know if George is completely out of this, Travis. I don't know if they're completely out of the race, but it sounds like at best they're third right now. Yeah, and I think in, in Georgia, you know, people are backing that up. So I think, you know, outside of a few people on Twitter and whatnot, I, I think everybody's pretty much come around to the fact that it's OU versus Missouri. And even Missouri – you know, mods on, on pay sites and whatnot were saying, yeah, Oklahoma leads, but if we get them back on campus one more time, then we can entertain it a little bit more. But it's it's all the – everybody keeps on saying, well, he canceled the visit to Oklahoma. Uh, there's more nuance to that. Like, you have to provide context to these things. Like, he didn't cancel it, like, in, in favor of Missouri. He didn't cancel it in favor of another school. Like, some just – came up something happened so it's like i don't think for a guy that's been to campus six times i'm all too worked up and it's not like he canceled an ov 
So, you know, people people are all worked up about it. What I'm glad about, though, is that we're going to find out on the 7th. We're going to find out on the 7th. We'll also find out, um, I think, on the 26th. It is David Stone. I, I think we're going to find out on the 26th. He says, he says it's going to happen on the 26th. I just thought it was interesting this week that the day before he announces his decision date, he says that he's going to go to Alabama and Texas A&M for games in the fall. Well, he doesn't have Alabama in his top six the very next day. And if OU truly is the leader here, well, we know what their commitment policy is. So what are we supposed to make of David Stone saying he's going to take two visits during the season the day before and then announcing the next day that his announcement is on August 26th? Is he trying to throw people off the scent? Like, it, make it make sense, I guess. I think he's just got a really bad poker face. Like, I, I think he's trying everything he can. I mean, saying, well, Nick Saban's the GOAT. It'd be silly to not go and hear what he has to say. David, you've been the top-ranked defensive lineman since you were in, like, eighth grade. You you, you didn't think about this until a couple weeks before you're going to commit? Like, oh, man, Nick Saban. I might as well hear what he has to say. No, nobody's believing you, and that's fine. Just you're going to commit on the 26th, and that's going to be that. Nationally televised game. He's gonna. It's it's gonna be on ESPN two. You know he'll be one of the one of the first in season, you know, live television commitments that I can even think of. So he'll get his moment in the sun, and and uh, and then OU will get their season started. Who are you more confident about uh, OU getting? When area or Stone? I I can't believe this. I think I'm gonna say Stone. Oh, I definitely say Stone, but but that but that doesn't mean I'm not confident in Winery. Sure. I think we get yeah. both of them, but I, I, I'm like I'm like 98 percent on Stone, and I'm like 80 percent on Winery. So I mean, still a good percentage. It's just I'm really convinced that Stone's going to be a sooner. Greg from Lawton says people are missing the point on Winery restriction. With his dad being a prince, his parents are most likely old school disciplinarians. Discipline is designed to hurt. Taking OU visit away most likely hurt more than taking away Oregon or Mizzou visits. To me, it's a good thing. Well, I mean, a, a good thing did happen this week surrounding his recruitment. Like, even with him not being here, and not to change the topic off that because I think that's a good text, Greg, but even without him being here, I do think a positive thing happened in Norman surrounding his recruitment that one of his teammates at least Summit North committed, what, two days ago. Right, and, and here's the thing, and, and kind of going in the same vein as that text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, one of, his, one of his closest friends, Kamari Moore, he plays next to him on the line at Lee Summit North. Like, or, like this, this, is, this is his teammate, his, his trench mate, if you will, and I, I have no doubt that Kamari Moore had at least an idea that he was going to commit. So... Yes, absolutely. It's it's a punishment to not go down with your buddies, one that you're probably going to be able to celebrate a commitment with in person. You know, going to a school that at, at minimum is you know in the lead for you at the time. Like it, it it adds up. And again, the people saying, "Well, how was he not you know grounded from the Oregon visit?" Look, it's a lot easier to say, "Hey, you can't go on a road trip with your buddies down to a place you've been six times." It's a lot easier to say that. Then it is to say, hey, we got to cancel flights, we got to cancel hotel rooms, you know, we got to change your actual travel plans. And honestly, 
I was told last night that the Oregon trip even almost got canceled. I think his mom wanted to cancel the Oregon trip, but somebody else, uh, you know, involved kind of talked her into it, said, you know what, no, let him go on this visit. You know, Hopefully it wasn't Dan Sunday. Lanning that talked her into it. No, hey, we got a bag waiting Oregon. for him. Just come on out here. Come on. <laughs> nobody nobody with Oregon. But, but no, I, 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 the, the Oregon trip was very close. It wasn't just a, hey, you're grounded for the OU visit. It was, you're in trouble, and then had to basically get talked into letting him go on the Oregon visit. <sighs> Talking about groundings. I lo- it's one of the biggest stories so far this cycle for right? OU football recruiting. I feel like it's become such a, a phenomenon that the first interview with williams Winery, if he signs with OU, might be, so did you really get grounded in uh, late July? Is that oh, why no. you didn't come on the unofficial OU visit? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gotten to that territory. August 7th. Cannot come fast enough, that's for sure. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to uh, your text. More OU football as well. Keep it locked on the ref. It's a Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Connor Pasby. They're listening in Orla, Texas on this Friday. Text line says, can my buddy Boone and I get some love? Always listening live from Orla, Texas. Booma! Appreciate you listening to us uh, on a Friday. Talking OU football, getting all caught up in recruiting, freaking out about recruiting. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find the text here. Oh, yeah, 512. Dude, his parents do not want him to go to OU. It's obvious. Think we may be screwed. What? So some are saying uh, he didn't show up this week. His parents don't want him to come here. Never mind, Travis. He made it up here six or seven times previously, but it's yeah, obvious. And, 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 and mom absolutely loved the OV. Like, no, it, it, no, it's that's just simply not true. The, the, the parents don't want him to go to OU. It, it's, there's not a situation, Tyler, where it's like, all right, we'll let you go there six times, but we really don't want you there, so it's, we're not going to let you go a seventh I, uh, I like this one from the 580. Hopefully, when Aries' punishment doesn't want him, make him want to be further from home and go to Oregon, LOL. Maybe it's a Goldilocks situation. <laughs> he wants to get away from home a little bit, you know, so he doesn't want to go to Missouri, but doesn't yeah. want to get home sick, so he doesn't want to go to Oregon. What's the one that's just right? Uh, how about Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah. Stay in Columbia. Mom might ground you for the Georgia game. You don't want that, right? Huh? Exactly. Don't want that at all. Uh, the last two days have been crazy with conference realignment. I, nothing really seems brewing like it's going to happen today, does it? I, I mean, Arizona was the report earlier today, but there's not much on the uh, realignment front. I I wonder if it's going to stay calm over the weekend and we get this thing back going on Monday or Tuesday if we see something this weekend. But I don't know. You can never really have a feel with realignment because it's really quiet until it's not. Then it blows up, but... I right, guess just got, nothing feels super imminent today. We got the Colorado report that they were looking to go, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're meeting. All right, it's official. Like, I mean, it was quick, quick. And I know these things yeah. don't go quickly behind the scenes, and I get I, I get that. But it seems like the announcements, Tyler, are, I mean, within 36 hours, it seems, from the first you hear it, boom, it's done. So if you had to, you know, nuts on the table – who is the next announced member of the Big 12? 
the next announced member of the Big 12. And I'm putting them on the table like you asked here, okay? Don't get thrown I'm out going, of the casino. Well, there's a lot of people in here. There, a lot are in line right now, so I might. Um, I, um, I, I'm going to go with something a little bit outside the box. There's been a couple of reports that Big 12 is in discussions with a team outside the four-corner schools, a team that you wouldn't guess. I'm going to say Oregon's the next school to get added by the by the Big 12. Best case scenario by the conference, I think that's the next school. That's my guess. I don't feel great about it, but I got at least a one in a, what, nine chance to be right, I think. Because I don't think it's going to be UConn. I don't think it's going to be UConn. Yeah, the, the real question is, when you go to narrow it down, is it going to be G5 or Pac-12? And obviously the Arizona report came out early, but God, it, it, it feels like Oregon has been most widely reported, right? Or at least widely rumored. I mean, that it's it's got to be Big Ten or Big Twelve for them, and and maybe they've been in deep discussions. We heard that with Colorado yesterday, right? Well, they've been in discussions for months now, and maybe that's what Oregon's been doing with the Big Ten, and that's going to be set to an out soon. But if it's not the Big Ten for Oregon, it's it's probably going to have to be the Big Twelve. So that's, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Is why hasn't the Big Ten already added Oregon? Um, maybe they just don't want to, and I think this is what gets Oregon to to the to the Big 12. Well, the original talks, if you remember, Tyler, way back when, when they added UCLA and USC, or at least when they announced it, obviously, like they had said that um, adding the adding Oregon and Washington would not add value to the like the TV deal to TV negotiations. Like they had done some, in, you know, research on it and was like, hey, look. Like adding USC and you know UCLA and adding the LA market that doesn't really care about college sports anyways, like that added money for the Big Ten. I don't think at the time they thought Washington or Oregon did, which is why I think it's interesting because I think people are going to have to stop thinking like that and just say, hey, look, it, it, it you're just gonna you're gonna have to get to 20 teams eventually. Might as well do it now. I have no buyer's remorse, by the way. Just in case you're wondering. Like, the, the Big 12 is, you know, adding teams, and we'll see who else they add, and it could be Oregon and Washington. That could be fun and exciting. I don't have any buyer's remorse about leaving this conference. I don't know if anyone else does, but still very glad that the SEC move happened. And uh, like the Garth Brooks song, Unanswered, pr- unanswered Prayers, yeah. thank God OU Texas, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech uh, did not go to the Pac-12 back in, what, 2011? 2011, yeah. when that happened? Yeah. Oh, man. Thankfully, that did not happen. Which, hey, e- even if it did happen, maybe OU and Texas still say, okay, yeah, upon further review, the Pac-12 has kind of sucked for the past decade. We're still going gonna to go to the SEC. Maybe that still happens, but I am, uh, I'm glad that uh, that one got dodged. Yeah, right. <laughs> man, how much, how much different would the sport look now? No, very much so absolutely absolutely we are in a good spot like i said we are up in the suite watching all this take place on the field below us yep and just if nothing else for recruiting it's the spot that you want to be in man it's it's the place that you want to be um maybe the big 10 maybe the big 10 travis would have given you a recruiting bump but not like the sec man there there is no conference that can give you more of a recruiting bump like the SEC can. 
No, no, we've already seen it. We've heard people talk about it. They said it at the coaches' luncheon. Like, it's nobody has ever grown up and said, oh, man, I just really, you know, I really dreamed about playing in the Pac-12. You, like, nobody says that. Like, no, like, people say that about the SEC all the time. So, no, it, we are in as good a position as possible. So, I mean, it, it, now we just wait to see when that eventual run to 20 happens, who, who jumps in the boat with us. But by that time, you know, we'll already been in the conference. We can make fun of them for being the new people. Yeah. Uh, okay, LaDonna from Lubbock says, I'm going Utah. 539 says, Tulane needs some love in all caps. Greg from Lawton is noticing a trend in things that you said on the show today that I don't know I can, if I can repeat. Big Rick in Owasso says, more teams doesn't mean better. It just means more teams to split TV money with. And then Dave from Norman says, where are you guys today? I'm at the Riverwind Casino today. Well, Riverwind right, Casino. But but, the, but at the that's what's interesting, right? Like, more doesn't mean better TV-wise and money-wise. But eventually, Tyler, when, like, the conferences basically just have to grow to 20. Like, I don't think we're done seeing conferences grow. So it's like, eventually you have to pivot to say, Look, we got to get to a number. So then it becomes about adding teams that won't hurt your TV revenue. Yeah. And uh, staying relevant and staying alive for conferences like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 right now. All right, we'll close up hour number two on a Friday. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. This is interesting. This is coming out today. Uh, to his little brother, Talia. Started his career, uh, I believe he started his career at Alabama, then ended up transferring to Maryland. Talia Tagaviola has said, Travis, that he received a $1.5 million offer to transfer to an unnamed SEC program. Who is the unnamed SEC program that he received a $1.5 million offer to? It feels like it would be Bama or Auburn. Um... What, what about, honestly, what about Georgia? Because I know Bama and Georgia were in, you know, both of them were like, all right, who, which one's going after Drake May? They both have first-year starters. You know, they both kind of quite, I know a lot of people say Carson Beck's that dude. Uh, but the fact is we haven't seen him out there. You know, we had seen, you know, Tonga Vailoa out there. So, yeah, it's got to be one of those. I mean, you kind of go down the list of people who would shell out that kind of money for him. And, oh, man, I don't know. Like, Tennessee's fine about their quarterback. They like what they've got. You know, maybe maybe it was Florida. Maybe they were like Graham Mertz. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Florida I would might respe- be the most likely kid. I would respect Ooh. Florida. Florida makes more sense now that I think about it. it sh- I, I hope it was Florida because ending up with Graham Mertz could not have been option one. Isn't Florida's over under win total like five and a half? Yeah. yeah. They're an eight they're an eight point dog to, uh, to Utah in week one. And isn't there questions on if Cam Rising's even gonna be available for Utah in that game? When Florida's still an eight point dog. They're gonna be a bad football team this year, man. Bad team. Real bad. And that's the thing, it was uh you know, it was funny because you know, Josh Pate with two four seven one of the one of the more reasonable voices, I think, in the sport. I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. He was asked, uh, you know, how much, 
you know, do you have more faith in Billy Napier or more faith in Brent Venables? And, you know, he kind of talked a little bit about, you know, how close the losses were with Brent Venables and, you know, how the recruiting classes have been and how, how their own fan bases feel about them. Usually your own fan base is the first to turn on you, right? And it doesn't really seem like this fan base is doing it to Brent where there are a lot of fans that are turning on Napier. And he said, let's look at the win totals. And he pulled them up and he said, nine and a half for Brent Venables, five and a half for Billy Napier. So, <laughs> so uh, and I know one plays in the SEC, one has their easiest schedule they've had in, in probably, a, you know, decades. But still, nine and a half and five and a half, that's a big old difference, Tyler. Yeah, it really is. Hey, this is uh, from way back in the archives, 20 years, 22 years ago today. One of my favorite suitors of all time committed to OU, Paul Thompson. How can you not respect the guy? Was a quarterback, moved to wide receiver, and then after Rhett Bomar got kicked off the team in August, right before the season in 2006, he moves back to quarterback and then leads OU to a Big 12 championship uh, over Nebraska in 2006. So 22 years ago, Paul Thompson committed to OU. I bring it up because it happened today. Really, I bring it up as uh, just another excuse to uh, show how much we should uh, respect Paul Thompson around here. Wide receiver back to quarterback in August, like a month before the season, wins a Big 12 title, Travis. PT throwing that ball in, it's humming. Yes. Yes, exactly. He was including the Malcolm Kelly rap. That's how legit he was. So, uh, yeah, salute, K-Ref salute to Paul Thompson, everything that he accomplished and everything that he was about during his time at OU. Final hour on a Friday. Coming up next, keep it locked to the ref.